Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, greetings, and salutations. Come on in, come on in. One and all. Come on in. Welcome. It's another edition of Revolution. Come on in. Come back. 
Divine, all blessed elevation, revelations, and manifestation. You are now sitting live with the Divine Prince, Pan African spiritualist, practitioner, author, and advisor, Elagun Oloye Hudu Obeya Bokur, sharing with you in all things spiritual, mystical, metaphysical, cosmic, evolutionary, revolutionary, healing and holistic from a Pan-African hoodoo world spiritualist perspective, understanding that all is truly and indeed a blessing. If you can just see beyond the veils, for it is all just an illusion and a test of one of the greatest divine mysteries of this life cycle. This is my constant prayer my mantra, affirmation, reverberation, reiteration, and it is my ever-living reality. All as a blessing is crucial to the very foundation of my understanding, my teaching, my walk, my work, my demonstration along this divine, all-blessed life path and journey. It is indeed how I, the Divine Prince, make sense. Out of all that we're challenged with here in our daily existence from Mother, Father, Earth, and it is my personal place of power and inner standing, that place from where I begin, the place from where I realize and crystallize all my endeavors, understanding that I and I alone create and co-create my divine destiny, and I and I alone create and co-create my divine all-blessed reality. And so it is. Ashe. Greetings again this Monday. I always got to check the calendar because my days are just running together. This Monday, June 17, 2021, and I am emanating and vibrating with you and for you now live, virtually, verbally, cosmically, quantum universally from this working temple of the house of the Divine Prince. High potions, Hoodoo Central, in this beautiful, historic, most most haunted, and some would say most enchanted city in America, New Orleans, Louisiana, the land of my ancestors and those who came before me along this Hoodoo, Obey a Life Path and Journey, passing down the great Obia Stick, along with the knowledge of the life-giving herbs, roots, plants, rituals, spirits, minerals, indeed the rituals, the practice, the history, the stories, as our Denise, beloved Denise Augustine says, our sacred stories. And in this moment, in every moment that I'm given the opportunity, in every moment that came before, I am indeed grateful. I come in humility, I come in gratitude, I I come in in respect, I come in acknowledging the power that is voodoo, 
that is ancestors, and many of you have heard me tell parts of my story here. You know, I credit voodoo and the ancestors indeed with saving my life for my raison d'etre, for my very being in this present moment in time and space. So I don't take it lightly. I take it very seriously. I handle it with a great deal of humanity, humility, a, a great deal of respect, a, a great deal of understanding that there is something greater than ourselves, something greater than me that is at work, that brings us all together in this unique moment in time space, where indeed there are many things sort of competing for our attention. There are many things sort of competing to be the distraction. There are many things competing for the illusion of, illusion of an issue, a block, a complication. So I've been taught, and so therefore I believe and understand and continue to teach that the spirit realm is more real, more evident, more tangible, more predictable than anything we can ever ask or think or imagine or create in the quote-unquote physical reality. Indeed, without the spirit, there would be no physical reality. Indeed, for without connection to spirit, and let me be clear, that has nothing to do with your religion, your practice, where you may or may not believe yourself to be along the the pathway, the journey of your of your spiritual destiny, but indeed from its most basic component, life, the universe, from its most basic component, vibrate numbers and math and equations that absolutely speak to the realness of the reality that we often don't readily perceive the reality that we often uh, sometimes even confine to just imagination or to just the dream state or to just these are my own inner thoughts, you know, they may or may not, you know, resonate with those around me. And so we can still, we have for generations, we, we can still, we pluck away, we don't say, we don't tell, we limit the sharing, you know, of these experiences. And so sometimes you can feel as if it's just happening to you. You can feel as if I'm only the one that's, that's seeing in or experiencing, you know, shifts in time, you know, shifts in, in reality. And so there are indeed mathematical, scientific, physics-based, quantum metaphysical-based reasoning behind our ability as both divine and human divine, being born of spirit, having parents, ancestors from the sky, from the spirit realm, but also being human, being a product of of nature, being a product of this uh, degreed system of laws that we all adhere to, gravity and and such within the physical plane dimension. So uh, allow me my humanity uh, allow me to, the opportunity to make mistakes, you know, and then to be able to speak to it and or address it. And, and in so doing, we treat ourselves 
in a very similar way. How much do we allow ourselves to be spirit and to operate in that realm? And how much of our time do we invest more in just what's physical? Again, assuming that there's some kind of great divide between spirit manifestation and real world, real time, in this moment, result-oriented spiritual manifestation. So I'm going to bring my guests on. I appreciate my cousins and their time and their support and their commitment uh, to not only, you know, sharing their own ministry, you know, with the world in this format, but also being here to support me um, in, in doing so. And if you don't already understand, it's a job. <laughs> it's a bit of a job, so I'm asking a lot of them. I don't want it ever to be lost, you know, in, in this process that I'm grateful for you all taking this time out um, and understanding sort of what we have at our access. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit more in a minute, but I want to allow the both of you this Monday, um, this white and blue Monday, uh, June 7th, 2021, to offer your greetings and salutations. Um, maybe you have a word you want to say, you know, leading into the topic. Um, and then we'll talk a little bit more with our community about spirit, spiritual phenomenon, and particularly spirit manifestation. I'm grateful to be here today with you all and uh, share this day share this time with you all, as today is the O'Shea of Obatala, uh, I share with you this prayer. Chief of the White Cloth never fears the coming of death. Father of heaven forever rule for all generations. Gently dissolve the burdens of my friends. Give me the power to manifest abundance. Expose the mystery of abundance. Father of the sacred throne, honor of all blessings, Increase my wisdom so that I become like the white cloth. Protector of white cloth, I salute you. Father of the sacred world. Ashe. Ashe. So as we enter into today, when we enter into this day of Obatala, a day of clarity, a day of peace, tranquility, a day of understanding and divine wisdom. I pray that Obatala, the energy of Obatala, the spirit of Obatala will be with each and every one of you today. That you'll manifest all of those of Obatala in your life, any one, any two, any three, any all of them into your life at this time. So that Obatala will bring forth to you all the blessings of life, all prosperity, wealth, and abundance, all the joys, all that which in your life that you wish to create. As we look at Obatala as the one who is like the creator, the one who came to this realm to develop this realm, those that find themselves with the opportunity to create the spirit of Obatala then is with you on that. And so I pray that you'll create for yourself all the blessings and sweet things of life and all the joys and happiness of life will be with you. So blessings to you all, and I look forward to uh, the conversation today. Greetings, Mom. Peace and blessings. Thank you so much for your presence and your question. Um, How does each of us perceive spirit? And and, and we're going to talk to that a little bit more um, 
momentary. Come on in, Otron. Greetings, beloved. Peace and love. Cousins Divine and Baba Loye, everyone listening, watching, Ile family. Uh, I want to first acknowledge and give uh, honor to my uh, Alulu, my godparents, my Alulu, Prince Baba Adabayo Lakona, and Olawini Fatoyene Yalobe, Edenike Oyebola Lakona. Today is actually um, a very peaceful day. I thought this very same thing today in, in acknowledging it is Oso um, Bakala. And our lineage is also um, Ose Igwingu. So it's a good day to honor our ancestors. Um, you know, to get, give them, pour them a cup of coffee, you know, love on them, cook something that you know they love to eat and enjoy it. Um, just take some time to love on yourself because loving on yourself is loving on your ancestors because you are them. Uh, they're in your DNA, as Divine said. They live and breathe and speak and walk through you. So love on yourself a little more today. Have that cup of coffee. Have that slice of sweet potato pie. You know, just do what you know one of your ancestors would have enjoyed. Um, and look forward to the conversation. Love and blessings to everybody. And uh, let's, let's dive in. Sure. Um, sure. Uh, we're going to start um, with my mom's question. How does each of us perceive spirit. And I think that's a very important place to um, begin. You know, we, we sometimes say spirit, you know, in a very general sort of, of, of way, uh, particularly in a modern context when we're trying to um, soften words like uh, intuit, intuitives or uh, empaths or, or even psychics or, or spiritualists, uh, we tend to say spirit. Uh, when we're not trying to be um, <clears throat> offensive or we're trying to maintain a certain degree of political correctness, you know, when there might be diverse religions, you know, present in, in the room, we might say spirit. But what does that mean exactly? Um, and, 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 and are we talking about spirit, i.e. God or, or, or the creator God, or are we talking about other manifestations of spirit that exist within the spirit realm that each and every one of us, you know, as humans have, have contact with, We're, whether we are conscious of it or not. Uh, along with this topic, I, I attempt to weave a sort of uh, understanding about 10-dimensional spaces. Some say 11. Some scientists even say as many as 26 dimensional realities that we would have to sort of coexist in in order for this, you know, sort of linear reality that we believe we're experiencing to be um, what it is. And so I want to share a little bit more today about the dimensional spaces, how they're represented, particularly in in math, and how that can also create um, variation in how we see and experience spirit. And I, and I would like participation from my co-hosts and, and, and those in the chat and those in the phone lines to share your understanding of, of spirit and how spirit shows itself, demonstrates itself um, for you. 
uh, there's what's called zero dimension or the zero dimensional space. Any object having zero dimension has no length, no width, no height. A point is an example of zero dimension as it has no length, no width, width, no height, no depth. Um, And I like to also describe zero dimension as the mist, as that smoky, misty existence, whether it be in our heads, literally, whether it's in our our minds, our thought processes, figuratively, uh, but that place that has no form, no shape, not necessarily light, not necessarily dark, uh, and it's a creative space where we can then begin the process of creating and recreating our reality, first in the mist that that mirrors our our best interest. The first dimension, an object in the first dimension has only one dimension, length. If we connect two points, then we get a line having only one dimension. So a line is an example of the first dimension having no width and no height, but only the length dimension. I also remember being taught in in school and math somewhere that the shortest point between any, uh, the shortest distance between any two points was a straight line. And again, a line is an example of first dimension having no width, no height, only length dimension. Someone living in a one-dimensional universe will only be allowed to move in the forward and the reverse direction, forward or backward. There will be no existence of anything to the left or to the right in, in first dimension. Now we will know what we mean by second dimension. Flat figures, like a square or a triangle, um, are two-dimensional objects. These two-dimensional or, or 2D objects have no zero area, but their volume is zero as there is no height. They have only two dimensions, length and width. So these are known as two-dimensional or 2D objects. A person living in a two-dimensional space can only move on a plane. In other words, he or she can only move in forward, reverse, right, left directions, but not in the up and down direction. So his life will be limited to a plain surface. Everything will be flat with zero height in such a universe. Some daily life examples of a two-dimensional world are screens of televisions and mobile devices, mobile phones. Although they appear to be a three-dimensional world, but actually this world inside these devices is confined to a flat screen, having no real depth, no real height. Third dimension, and if we add height or depth to a two-dimensional object, it becomes a three-dimensional object. A three-dimensional object has no zero value. A cube or sphere or geometrical examples of three-dimensional objects. We live in a three-dimensional world where we can move in any direction, in space, as per our wish. We are free to move in forward, reverse, up, and down directions. 
And I want to remind you of something that I mentioned uh, maybe the last show or, or even before that in relationship to this topic. It is indeed those first three dimensions that we have the most control over, that we have the most opportunity to move, push, operate, create, recreate a reality that mirrors our best interests in the physical realm. But fourth dimension occupies time, and time is a dimensional space unto itself. Time is considered the fourth dimension, and as I just told you, we live in a three-dimensional world where we are free to move in any direction in space, but without the fourth dimension, the time dimension, no events can take place. Without time dimension, nothing will change in the world. Time is the way for three dimensions to change. It is the time dimension that allows the object to change their position and location in space. Without time, the whole universe would look like a snapshot forever. As we are living in a three-dimensional world, so we have no control over the fourth dimension, that which is time. We are forced to move only in the four directions with time. But a person living in four dimensions will be able to go in any direction in time, like past or future. He will have control over time dimension as he is a person of four dimensions. So these were the four first four dimensions that can be perceived by humans. And now we are going to discuss higher dimensions that we cannot perceive, although they exist. So starting with the fifth dimension, as I just, you know, pointed out, we cannot perceive dimensions that are higher than the fourth dimension because they exist on a subatomic level. These higher dimensions actually deal with the possibilities. But why we cannot perceive high, higher dimensions, actually these dimensions are curled in on themselves in a process known as compactification, compactification. But how these higher dimensions are imperceivable, let me explain it by giving you a simple example. When we see a rope from a large distance, we only observe it in one dimension, and that is its length. But any insect moving on the rope will also see other dimensions of the rope, like its thickness for example, it will observe the fine grooves and roughness and circumferences of that rope that could not be seen from a distant observer. If a person were living in a world of five dimensions, then he would be able to play with time in different ways. He could move either in the past or in the future. It would also be possible for him to be present at different locations at the same time. Some people refer to that as, as astro traveling. Um, even doppelgangers from the from the Germanic uh, context. He would be able to do many jobs or have many hobbies at the same time. And he could be a doctor, an engineer, a cricketer, a poet, anything else at the same time as he has full control over the time dimension. And so when we think about processes, practices, um, exercises, such as prayer, 
such as meditation, particularly transcendental meditation, utilizing quartz crystals and gemstones in our prayer, amplified prayer and, and meditative state. In our dream state, which is often um, involuntarily, uh, sort of um, spontaneous, you know, our body is, has been shut down naturally to sort of mimic, you know, a, a death-like state so that we don't act out what we see and what we experience, you know, in our dream states and in a physical, you know, way. We know stories of people who might have a glitch or a, or a mental health imbalance, you know, who dream violent things and then attack their partner in bed. You know, people who get up and walk at night. Um, people who eat, you know, in their sleep. These are all examples of, of opportunities for there to be a glitch that allows us to see into and to perceive beyond the fourth dimension, time dimension. Uh, many of us have had deja vu. That is a peering into, peering beyond the limits of time dimension. And, and they're very real in the moment, you know, for me, they're very real. I remember the detail. I remember what's going to be said next, you know, to, to some degree, usually within a 10-second, you know, ratio of the, of the deja vu, you know, moment. So we all have had examples, no matter how deep or spiritual or, or lack thereof, you know, you might perceive yourself. It is a part of the human machinery. It is a part of the human condition. And, and that's why sometimes we, we leak talk about extraterrestrials and higher advanced uh, societies and cultures quite possibly existing in one of these dimensional spaces, these dimensional worlds, and, and having access in and out of our time zone, our time space, and, and create glimpses into heaven, glimpses into the future, premonitions, uh, uh, precognition, intuitive experiences. And so while we're having this sort of God-like experience while, while inhabiting, you know, physicality, this, this clay vessel that we, we move in, um, we're also interacting with beings that exist within the layers of these time spaces. Um, some of you listen to Coast to Coast AM at night, or, or at least you, maybe you used to. Uh, it's not quite what it once was in the Art Bell days, but um, I still occasionally catch Coast to Coast AM. It's a radio uh, broadcast that comes on in the middle of the night. Uh, depending on your time zone, it might start at 10 p.m., midnight, you know, and it's usually a four-hour program, and then it repeats itself. And they often talk about uh, the government, the CIA, uh, secret missions, secret weapons, secret medicines, and, of course, extraterrestrials, the proof or the lack thereof, you know, et cetera. So there are many people who are having this conversation on the globe at this particular time in our human existence, you know, about powers, about capabilities beyond our present ability to perceive. You know, we, we like to think ourselves as quite smart as humans, smarter than the animals, smarter than nature, you know, and, and we're learning, unfortunately, uh, that we're, no higher, no lower than nature itself. And, and indeed, as we trample nature, our water, our minerals, you know, um, our wetlands, 
we are trampling ourselves, you know, in, in the same process. But in terms of spirit and spirit manifestation, uh, and I said this before, I believe that there are indeed spirit forms that not only exist between these dimensional layers, but also set themselves up in nature, uh, in plants, in rock, in, in, in iron, in various minerals. Sometimes we refer to crystals as devic stones that uh, manifest some awareness of a divinity, a spirit existing within the body of a particular stone. And sometimes they look like little cathedrals or, or little sanctuaries, and, and, and they're often completely encased in, in quartz crystal, you know, an inch or more of, of quartz crystal. So they, they jog at the imagination and the idea that there's indeed something bigger than ourselves at work. And so is it spirit? Um, and as my mama asked the question, how, how do we define or perceive spirit as it manifests, you know, in, in your journey? And, and, and I'm going to add to that question, how do you discern spirit? Because I believe all spirits are not the same. Greetings, Bishop Cheeks. Greetings, beloved. That's Bishop Cheeks from uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, so come on in, Osan. Come on in, Oloye. My chat is open. My phone lines are open. Come on in with your questions, your comments, your requests. That's a very uh, deep question that your mom <laughs> that your mom asked. Greetings to to Mama Savage. Uh, you know, how do we manifest it? How do we kind of view it? How do we manifest it within ourselves? Well, first and foremost, for us, it is to understand the connection of the divinity within us. Once we understand the, the divinity within us, then the Yerisha the, the manifests that distinct aspects of the divinity within us. Many people, they have the misconception that Orisha are on the same level of God as Olumare or God, whatever we refer to that, that, that spirit as. When the Orisha are divine representation of that divinity, the divinity of God within you. So when we approach the Orisha, we're approaching it as maybe this aspect is something we have to now lift up in our life. It could be that we have to to now come into a place of maturity, a place of wisdom, a place of 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 um, peace and tranquility in our life. Maybe on this side, we have to now look at ourselves in a place of beauty. We, we've gone through all of these things, and we, we've now seen ourselves in a, a light that is not in the best way for us to live it, to, to uphold it, to elevate our conscious. So when we look at Orisha, we're looking at the elevation of our conscious through the divinity within ourselves as per each or representation that that Orisha manifests within us. So now how do we know that that is working for us? Well, for us, one perspective is we're giving ebook, we're giving offering 
through that spirit that, to make that spirit stronger within us. And over time, we begin to see the various changes in our life. Not everything happens overnight, of course, not in any of our spiritual traditions. But over time, if we continue the work with that particular energy within us, the divinity within us, and we begin to see certain changes and things coming to us that we are praying for, our meditating on, all of that is inclusive, the prayers and meditation that will allow us to facilitate what we are trying to manifest. So it is all about our method of thought, the method of thinking, and then the confidence behind that method of thinking that then manifests the beginning of something starting. And then it's the work that we have to do thereafter in order to facilitate the rest. So I'm hoping that that answered at least part of that question that, that Mama Savage asked. Uh, how do we do that? And then for us, it's all about the work. We have, when we do these elbows, maybe a verse of scripture that comes to us that says, in order for this particular thing to manifest itself, you have to make this particular sacrifice. But we're not looking at sacrifice all the time outside of ourselves. We have to start with the sacrifice within ourselves. And then when we start with the sacrifice within ourselves, then we continue that process energetically, maybe outside of ourselves, to help strengthen the work that we're doing within ourselves. And then over time, if we can, are consistent with the work that we're supposed to do, then it's like the verse of scripture that says, let the works that I do speak for me. So let the works that I'm doing within myself, manifesting the work all around me, let those works then speak to me by seeing the manifestation come alive of what it is that we're putting the time and effort into. Um, Otan, did you have something to say before I respond? Um, yes, yeah, I'm not going <laughs> to say much because uh, Baba Aloye just laid it down. Between the two of you, yes, sir. Um, firstly, greetings to um, your queen mother, Mama Savage. Um, I would say with the, the question and spirit, it also depends on the conversation and how you're referring to it. Um, as was said, it can be used to be politically correct depending on the conversation, and you may have different people there gathered of different um, spiritual faiths, and it's just to keep it generalized so everyone is comfortable in conversation. As far as uh, the connection with spirit and, and understanding spirit, as Baba Lee said, that requires work. It's not that you're going to wake up one day and everything is going to be understood and you're going to have this connection that you can work in and out and know how that goes. It's a process. It takes time. It is a matter of each person deciding to take that time and to dive deep, to go inside of yourself and, and get a basic understanding of who you are and, and, and from there, your purpose and, and where you came from and have an understanding of that, that path is yours, but you don't have to know every step of the way. 
You may know the end, but you may not know the middle. It's going to have to be lessons. It's going to have to be things and situations and trials that you go through to gain an understanding of those lessons and the things that you need. Those are actually going to be the building blocks, your tools that are going to not just set you up for success, but put you in a position to understand certain situations so when they arise again, you won't just react out of emotion and you can go deep and then say, ah, okay, you know, I've seen this before or this is familiar. And it will give you the knowledge at that point to then say, okay, you know what? I know how this goes. This is not how I need to react. I need to take a moment. And it gives you the plan for success, for success later. It takes time. It takes dedication and doing internal work as well as ancestral work to get a base to, the, to get a good solid foundation to move forward from. So it, it takes some work, but um, it's definitely everyone has that connection. We just have to find our own, um, I like to say, spirit language. Everybody's connection with, with the most high is different. So it's about learning yourself so you can learn your connection and when to pay attention and to notice the things that are happening in your life. Yeah, I agree. A absolutely. And I think that one of the key words in the question is perceive. How do you perceive spirit? And so some people perceive spirit. Uh, let me answer another question at the exact same time. Um, string theory. Um, it is string theory. It is quantum metaphysics. Uh, I believe it always has been. However, uh, the distance between our indigenous ancestors' understanding of it, then the more modern ancestors' understanding of it, and then colonizers and missionaries and scientists coming in and, and, and archaeologists and then implanting their understanding of it. We're, we're just at a unique crossroads in, in time space in terms of data, information, technology. And, and so it, it just appears that those things now are coming closer and closer together in, in orbit. Voodoo or fa, ifa, and the idea of string theory. You know, we understand the binary coded systems, 16 times 16, 256 variables. We have to start talking about math. We have to start talking about quantum metaphysics. We have to start talking about science. And, and I think we all learn and absorb information at different frequencies. So some people have to do it physically. They have to be active in it. Some people have to have to demonstrate it through creativity, and, and so they express it in music, they express it in art, they express it in clay, they express it in paint. Uh, some express it in words. Words is sort of our, our medium and our ability to, to go in and out of words and their meaning and their combinations. We have master poets and master uh, uh, wordsmiths. So I think it's all science at the end of the day. It's all math at the end of the day. And it expressed, um, to some degree, why we experience, uh, another word for, ex for perceive, spirit differently, based on our history, based on our experience, based on what we've been taught to anticipate and to, you know, expect, you know, from, quote, unquote, spirit. Um, I've talked to many religious folks you know, of various world religions who say they've never heard the voice of God, um, never had a quote-unquote spiritual, you know, uh, crossroads. And, and so I asked, well, what are you operating on? And, and, and what, are, what are the dynamics of faith 
for, for example, if, if you're operating on faith without having a real waking relationship to, connection to spirit. And that's why I respect people who, you know, sojourners and people who say I'm, I'm on my own path, you know, and, and I'm finding my way. There's a lot of work involved in, in, in that. A, a, a willingness to be honest with yourself about what you don't know, don't understand. A willingness to then seek out information, to, to be informed about the nature of, of spirit. Um, and I don't think you can do that without, you know, virtually traversing the world in terms of religion and practice and, and cultural, you know, manifestation. And it is when, within the dynamics of that environment, that soil, that I begin to find my own perception of what spirit is or was. And at a very young age, I could perceive God, you know, something that's righteous, something that was good, something that was pure, versus other spirits, you know, that would stand up and manifest. Um, I had a, oh, I don't know, maybe a two-hour conversation yesterday with Bishop Cheek, um, you know, a private conversation, obviously, and we've talked about a lot of this about, you know, being in that quote-unquote religious environment, whether it's the church or the mosque or the synagogue or, or, or the non-denominational, and actually being able to perceive spirits and spirits moving through that space. Even as a kid, my mom would tell you, you know, after, after church, I would have a whole lot to say if I was given space to do so about how people acted, what people had on, uh, what I was able to perceive, I was already testing my intuition. I was already testing my empathic ability to sort of uh, receive information, you know, uh, absorb information about people. And so as a kid, you know, I, I may have come off as a bit of a gossip to my mom. You know, why you always got so much to say and why are you always counting how many, you know, gay people are in the church or how many people are lying, you know, when they stand up and give their they testimony, and, and I think many of us have shared that experience, particularly when we're younger, you know, in, in terms of testing out, because even their book says, uh, know the spirit, test the spirit, know, know is it of God, suggesting that there are other spirits that are able to speak with us, communicate with us, you know, and, and sometimes they show up like little gremlins, you know, that keep you eating when you don't really want to eat that keep you doing a drug when you don't really want to be doing a drug, that, that keep you acting out in bad behavior and bad patterns that sometimes we take on ourselves and say, well, oh, it's just me, or, or I'm just a bad person, or I'm just flawed. And there's no education in this culture about spirits and spirits and what that manifestation should look like. Even in the church, we apply a great deal of trust to the pastor, the bishop, the elder, the person who's standing behind the pulpit. And, and in many cases, allow the sort of the filtering of God's word to pass through that individual. Even though everybody has their own Bible, everybody has the opportunity to go home and, and study and get their own sort of understanding, uh, but, but in that organized religious environment, I can remember seeing Actively, spirit being limited, spirit being bound, but some spirits being removed completely from the sanctuary altogether. 
you know, in the middle of what would otherwise appear to be, you know, some ecstatic shout, you know, and, and many of my folks know what I'm talking about. The church with the good music, the good singing, the good pianist, you know, the, the, the good speaker at the mic, you know, and that fire of spirit sort of sweeps through the place. Uh, I've experienced it on more than one occasion. The hair will stand up on my arm. But even in the midst of that, you know, that uh, apostolic moment, even as a child, I could uh, differentiate spirits. And I knew that some of those things that we were seeing were not of God or were not godly or were not appropriate. Maybe, Maybe they were just worrisome but we're not appropriate, you know, for, for that moment. Sometimes it was a distraction. Sometimes I could see, you know, the devil mocking God and mocking humanity, you know, in that moment. And we see the same thing in, in, in voodoo, voodoo possession, voodoo possession rituals. Haiti, Louisiana, we see a very similar thing. In their times that the drumbeat will, will pick up, you know, people will have had, you know, one or two libations, you know, and, and so your, your your barriers are down. Your, you, you sup, you know, uh, libation that has been anointed, that has been prayed over, you know, that has been blessed. And, and many people will collectively go into an ecstatic trance or ecstatic possession, you know, or, or shout. But, but not all of them are bringing down the low walk. Not all of them are bringing down Orisha, you know, and so... There are signs, there are codes, there are behaviors that, that we look for. There are tests sometimes, you know, by fire, you know, by water to determine if, you know, you're just putting on or if indeed in Orisha, a low is coming through you. But there's very little open conversation about those spirits that are quieted down or shut down. You know, in some ceremonies, I've seen them throw a sheet over somebody to shut down a particular spirit and keep that spirit from from coming into the, the ceremony. So, again, let's go a little bit deeper about your perceptions of spirit. Maybe you might even share some of your experiences with spirit and, and how it might show up for you, uh, around you. I can. I can certainly... Um... The spirit showing up doesn't always have to be um, conversation. It can be an action. It can be in things happening around you, things that you experience. Uh, I will say in particular, maybe seven or eight years ago, I was sitting uh, coming out of, a, I guess, a small strip mall, and at some of these places, you know, they have traffic lights for when you want to come out of there. And I was waiting at the traffic light to turn left out of the uh, strip mall. Across the light from me, uh, the cross traffic had the light. It was directly across from me. There was a gentleman that was pulled over uh, by a police officer. And they were talking, and his hands were just fidgeting. And I literally just felt like I needed to get away, and I don't know why. It was just a feeling that came over me. And I'm looking, and the officer was nodding, and he was backing away to his, to his vehicle with, I guess he had the guy's license. And I'm looking, and the guy keeps looking in the mirror, and I'm like, don't do it. And sure enough, 
she hits the gas and takes off to try to get away into the cross traffic. So I see a huge pickup truck slam directly into him, and he begins to spin right in my direction. I mean, he's coming. I can't move because there are vehicles behind me, and there's a vehicle to my right. So I literally can do nothing. So I just scream, God, and I lean down, and I covered, like, not my whole face, but just my arm because he's going, in my mind, he's going to hit me. So I lean down, and I'm looking down towards my gear shift, and I see this whole dark shadow go over my car because it got, like, I can see, you know, it's sunny outside, so it got dark. And I'm like, and I hear screeching and kaboom, and I'm still waiting. And I look up, and the car is still behind me but to my right. And you're not going to tell me that car just got to me, jumped over, and is now on my opposite side behind me but did not touch me at all? Nothing. And I sat there for a moment, and I just, it just took like five minutes before I could even move. Cause was blowing. I was just sitting there. Because for me, I was just trying to figure out why that car is sitting right there and it didn't hit me. And it just, it, it took a lot. And there are those things that we experience that we cannot explain. But no one's going to tell me that in that moment that I did not receive grace, that I did not receive favor, because physically, it, it made no sense. Ignore that. Physically, it made no sense. So it, it, just, it was just one of those moments that we understand, the moment that I was spared whatever inconvenience, whatever injuries that could have happened, and I was able to, to drive away with, with absolutely nothing happening, and I give thanks for that, and it lets me know and it reaffirms for me that I have purpose here. Mm-hmm. So, so let, let me push you just a little bit. So, so in that moment, how did, do you perceive spirit in, in that moment? Was it God? Was it your ancestors? Was it, was it Marisha? Was it a guardian angel? Just in your own opinion, there's no right or wrong answer. In that moment, I would say that that was Olubamadie and 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 Ifaz. What we would be the same as God uh, for some or. Allah, whoever you subscribe to, um, in that moment, because I feel that is who I called on, that is who I cried out to for help, and I received it. Mm-hmm. So for me, that was that was all over the mighty. Because I called out, I cried out, I was in need. It was the, the response, the protection, the grace was immediate. So that's who I would say responded for me, showed up for me in that moment. Mm-hmm. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. I, I, I do. Um, you know, being a voodoo priest, people, you know, would probably expect a diversity of answers from me, you know, uh, about that same, you know, scenario. But when I think about my own life in the times that I've been saved, rescued, should have been dead, should have been harmed, <laughs> you know, should have been in a worst off scenario. And, you know, I, I can remember a season of my youth that I started saying, always come out smelling like a rose. 
always come out smelling like a rose. It was something that I would say because I had grown used to, accustomed to seeing spirit move on my behalf in, in that way. Uh, and someone asked a little bit earlier, I think it might have been you all, uh, Yoel at Adamus, about memory, memorizing and, and, and memory. And, and I keep stressing journaling. I know it's a job for some of us. I know it might be tedious for others. You know, it, it takes a little practice. It takes a little, you know, just like working out. I'm sure Oluye would, would suggest going to the gym. You know, sometimes you don't always want to go, but you, you know, you find a way to motivate yourself, you know, to a particular routine. And I just strongly suggest that journaling. Um, maybe if I call it something else, it would be more intriguing. Um, a grimoire, mm-hmm. keeping a grimoire. You know, a magical book of your dreams and your premonitions and sometimes your creative ideas. Um, I've created businesses and, and creative ideas in my journaling that I later went back and sort of pulled out and, and created real things, you know, in, in the real world. And often that is that two-dimensional place is part of the process of making it three-dimensional and then subsequently four-dimensional and bringing it into our, our reality. So I can't stress enough, journaling, 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 journaling. And any of us who are professionals, who are operating ministries, ELAs, spiritual houses, healing centers, we got to journal more than the average person. You know, we got to be our own executive secretary, our own administrative staff. You know, we got to write down what we're doing, at what time we're doing it, who we're meeting it with, you know, we, We've got to be organized to some degree. Um, and so writing things down um, helps to organize even the head and, and how we are able to process things. Writing some things down gives them a place of priority or importance and then allow us to go back into that spirit realm, those higher octaves of dimensional space, and create and bring that reality into this one that that we wish to see. Um, there was a time that I would always see or dream uh, a property before I would lease it or rent it or, or move into. You know, I would go out and, you know, choose about a half a dozen or so places that I had in mind. But it was the one that I dreamt about, saw myself in, saw my stuff in, that I always chose. And, and I found that, that that worked for me. And in that, I also notice synchronicity. Another form of spirit manifesting is synchronicity. Um, now, they, they've got artificial synchronicity, so some of us might talk about some things, share some things, and then the advertisements on your Facebook page, the advertisements, you know, attached to your email. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about, you know, moving from one location to another and then having similar addresses similar numbers. You know, childhood home that I grew up in, you know, had the most problems in, 1531. 1531. Before I had the opportunity to move where I am now, 1509, I was offered 1531 on on this this same block. On the corner, on the corner, the house that I grew up in, 1531, also sat on the corner. And so, it wasn't meant for me to reside there, you know, and, and, and when the most appropriate opportunity came forward, it tapped me on my shoulder and asked me, do you want to live in this house? 
you know. And so synchronicity, repetition of numbers, repetition of imagery. Uh, Sometimes uh, me and my mother, me and my sister Lapani will just have the deepest spiritual, quantum metaphysical, you know, conversations, and then something will be repeated in the news or something will be repeated in in, in mainstream society or, or even some prediction being made within the confines of the group, then manifest some way. So there are all kind of ways that spirit manifests, not just our creating the manifestation of spirit, which is important because you can indeed fine-tune your cipher to receive a greater degree of energy that's in your best interest. I don't believe in luck since childhood. Evangelical Christians didn't, didn't believe in luck. The Black Spiritual Church didn't teach luck. So I, so I grew up being dis- detached from that word, luck. Um, when I think about even Ajay uh, Oloye, um, I, I think about prosperity. I think about abundance. But luck don't necessarily be one of the first words that, you know, comes to, comes to my mind. I, I believe that an anointing of something can be placed on a person, place, or thing. It can be conferred upon, just as we confer ashe upon a person, place, or thing. So I think prosperity absolutely can be captured, can be contained, um, can be invited uh, even. But I no longer sort of believe in, in the randomness of luck. All things happen for a reason. All things manifest in their most appropriate season. Um, sometimes the good that we think we perceive um, it's not necessarily in our best interest. And that's why I like talking about spirit and spirit manifestations, because there are indeed spirits that will feed our flesh, that will feed our sense of greed, our sense of gluttony, our desire of, of I have to have and I, and I need and I want. And there are spirits that will feed that energy. And depending on where you are, you know, in, in your consciousness, you might perceive that as a good thing. You know, oh, oh, my luck kicked in. You know, my blessing kicked in. But but all things that appear good aren't necessarily good, you know, in the long term. So, again, was it of God or was it of some other spirit? And then who? And then what? And see, that's why, you know, I did that video about tarot cards and Ouija boards and, you know, even shells and palm nuts. They're not toys. They're not something that we sit around and play with, you know, we don't have anything better to do. I believe that you're absolutely turning over destiny. You're absolutely turning over life path every time you turn over tarot cards. Every time you cast your, your consecrated shell, just willy-nilly, you know, um, that's why it's a taboo about reading yourself. You know, and overreading yourself. You can absolutely manipulate your own destiny, you know, through our own ignorance, through our own lack of, of self control, through our own, you know, being unaware, you know, and create dynamics that draw certain spirits to us. And, and, and those spirits need to be fed and placated sometimes, you know, and so they require us repeating certain behaviors, certain experiences, you know, over and over again, getting the same result, 
but somehow being stuck, you know, on the treadmill of time continuing. Am I making sense or am I rambling to y'all? No, you're absolutely making sense. I wanted to um, also address, I saw a comment from uh, Craig Burns about could premonition be attributed to spirit in, in his dreams having some unnerving uh, accuracy on occasion. And absolutely, as you've heard here today, um, journaling. Um, journaling not only helps you with recollection and helps you just, you know, understand the messages that are being given to you. Journaling also helps you build your confidence. Because a lot of the times we can talk our own selves out of knowing what we know. When you have a dream, when you begin journaling and you start seeing the synchronicity, when you start seeing the consistency and the things that are showing up multiple times and you start putting things together, there have been times I'm sure a lot of people were thinking about something and everyone, oh, well, no, it couldn't be that. Well, maybe it's this, that, and that. In that moment, in that moment, you are chipping away at your self-confidence. In that moment, you are taking away that that power from your ori, from your gut, from what you know that is right. A lot of the times, our first thought and reactions can be the correct one when we're paying attention and, and, and taking account of all angles of a situation. So when you're reviewing something, when, when you're thinking about something that is happening as you're journaling, as you're going over the entries in your journal, and it starts to connect the dots, don't, don't have that doubt. Understand that it was given to you for a reason, and that connection, that piecing together that you're gathering, that you're gaining over time, is building your self-confidence in you and your connection with spirit. Because at the end of the day, you have to learn that connection. You have to learn that language in which you received your messages. Because as you do that, you will then begin to decipher what messages is coming from who? You'll know whether it's coming from one of your ancestors. You'll know whether it's coming straight from or the mighty or straight from force. You'll know because you will have that experience. You will have that self-confidence in knowing and the trusting in your gift to know how you receive it for yourself. Because before you can do anything for anyone, you have to be able to do it for you. So you have to be able to understand how spirit is talking to you, which spirit is talking to you, and how to decipher those messages. You have to learn it for yourself because for everyone, again, it is unique. So absolutely, premonition, Craig, can be attributed to that. It is part of it. And as you, as you journal, as you learn how spirit connects with you and you receive your messages, you'll understand more how it comes through in the manner in which each communicates with you. And let me be clear, I agree with my mother. You know, um, it has a lot to do with what spirit we are allowing within us. And some of y'all really need to just stick to the Holy Spirit. Some of y'all really need to just stick to, to Jah and, and, and to Allah and, and sort of master that. Because, you know, wanting to sort of go out and, and encounter all these other powers and spirits, you know, all willy-nilly, you know, without any real training, without any real knowledge, without any, any real spirit, it's dangerous. And I think to some degree, you know, when I think about, you know, my past life and sort of the, the circle shout, you know, and the ushers coming to form, you know, sort of a ring around people, um, I think some of those spirits needed to be contained. Some of those spirits needed to be held down, you know, and, and some of what people are releasing, you know, in these ecstatic moments needs to be released. 
it doesn't necessarily mean that it's, you know, it's an oracle for us to, to hear or to follow, you know, or to listen to. And so I believe there is a, a degree of order that must take place even within us when addressing spirit, when questioning spirit, when speaking, you know, uh, to interact, you know, with the diversity of spirits. And so, you know what I'm about to say next. Your ancestors are your front line of defense. Absolutely your front line of defense. Uh, in m- many cases, it's just enough, you know, to be in order with your ancestors and to, and to routinely and regularly, you know, be doing your work, you know, with your ancestors. And then, of course, your own head. Your own head, because you know, if your head ain't clear, then then you're likely to open that gate to spirits that don't serve you, that ultimately don't have your your best interest at heart. So I think it's always difficult to have this conversation without considering mental health in the dynamics of what some people are seeing, witnessing, and experiencing. And and, and as a practitioner, it's not easy. It's not easy, you know, when you get a call and the person is really excited um, and, and they're so sure that something dark is being worked against them um, and it's showing up, you know, first in the technology, you know, around their job, uh, but then it's showing up in technology away from your workplace. Um, and it's showing up now even when you are in travel and visiting other people, Um I had to stop, catch my breath, um, beloved, you know, it, it can't be a, a curse. It can't be a spell, you know, if, if it's everywhere that you go, if it's showing up everywhere that you be. It could be a spirit that you're bringing to the scenario. You know, I say you can move, but, but the first person you're going to meet when you get there is going to be yourself. And so, you know, in today's context, what otherwise may have been exercised in the past, may have been addressed in a ritual ceremony, you know, in the past. We now have this dynamic of mental health, which indeed may not have existed, you know, to this degree in, in the ancient and indigenous world. But we certainly are seeing it now, you know, with fake foods and fake technologies affecting, you know, what we do to our bodies, what we put in our bodies, Decades of fluoride use, you know, I could do a whole show just going on fluoride and how that affects, you know, the penile gland, you know, and, and the activities in our brain, you know, and, and in our consciousness. And so we absolutely have a, a degree of, of not only mental health, but people sort of unfettered to just the ground and are being allowed access in and out of higher dimensions of, of, of dimensional space quite possibly for our own survival. Things may just be that urgent. You know, when I think about that scripture, I will pour my spirit out on all flesh. I think about all flesh. It doesn't say Christian. It doesn't say Muslim. It it, it says all flesh. And I think about a a period of desperation, you know, that Ola Damari or Mawa Lisa or, or God or Supreme Creator might have about how we are treating ourselves and treating the planet and treating the other, you know, each other. So I believe we're having all sorts of spiritual phenomena and spiritual experiences right now, primarily to get our attention. 
primarily to, to wake us up, primarily to get us, you know, sort of thinking back to where, you know, we once were so that we can chart a better future for ourselves, you know, moving forward. I do um, want to also um, add as far in, in going along the lines of mental health, um, just a, a word of caution, if I may. Um, please be mindful when you are seeking divination or you're going or having interactions with these tarot card readers. You want to be very careful of the amount of people that you allow access to your spirit, meaning you don't want to go get a reading here, get a reading there, get tarot done here, get this, get that, because you're allowing all of these different people access to your spirit, access to your aura. And unless you are sure, and I mean sure of the depth, the character of these people, you can also inadvertently open yourself up or possibly fall victim to people who may not have good intentions, who are now dibbling and dabbling in your stuff because you done came before them and you don't let them do their thing and now they have access to you. And then the last person you went to had access to you. And the last person you went to had access to you. And now here you have half a dozen people that all have access to put hands in your life to cause problems should they see or feel the desire. So you want to be mindful of the people that you're going to, the people that you're dealing with and giving access to you and to your spirit. Because sometimes there are people, unfortunately, there are there are dishonest people. We have good and bad in everything, whether it's in the church, whether it's in the fire, whether it's in the cons, the room, whatever it is, you have good and bad. So please understand that it is your job also to be mindful and be protective of your spirit and who you allow access to it. So that is something to also uh, think on as well, because that, that is a, a real issue and could become problematic for you by doing that. I agree. I'm sure my evangelical Christian mother also would agree. Because we used to say, yeah, you don't let everybody lay hands on you. Yeah, we, you said that, that in the church. Yeah, we've talked about it. And, and we've also learned the hard way that, you know, um, not enough goes into knowing who these teachers, leaders, preachers, pastors are. You know, and so we sit up under them for decades, you know, build them up for decades, you know, only to find out wicked things, you know, about them, unbalanced things about them, some cases evil things, you know, about them. And so we've had to learn that the hard way uh, within the dynamics of religion and in, even within the dynamics of community. And that's why I say that you can't be a practitioner of ATR in isolation. You just cannot. You need every component of the body you need every component of the family to be privy to that process, from, from the youngest, from the little children, to, to the elder, you know, whose feet we sit at, who, who, who holds our hand, who shares their, 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 their wisdom and, and, and knowledge with us. For us, that space is Congo Square. Uh, and, yes, this is going to be a blatant, obvious infomercial, but, but it's necessary uh, that sacred space for us is Congo Square, and not just for Treme, not just for historic Treme, not just for New Orleans, not just for Louisiana, but for American history. 
black American culture. And, and our footprint has already been reduced in terms of Congress Square. Our footprint has already been reduced and manipulated in terms of, of the dynamics of, of Treme, the first free black community in America. For, for, for those of you who do not know, that's what gives Treme its power. Gospel, jazz, blues, voodoo, food, drumming, dancing, culture, you know, all, all born, you know, on that sacred ground that we call Congo Square. So this is not just a fight to stop Mayor Cantrell and the city council from destroying what's left of our legacy by putting uh, a municipal building like City Hall into the middle of the park, uh, but it's also about the damage that it would cause subsequently to the remaining community. And it's a big story, and, and I'm not going to recant the whole story right now. Uh, you can go back to previous shows. I will absolutely respond to you off air if you really want to know uh, more about what's happening. But then just behind me, you know, a, a block and a half away, is that I-10 Claiborne Bridge, which was first put up to destroy this historic community of Treme. And, and now roughly, you know, 50, 60 years later, now they want to tear it down that they are now gentrifying Treme and, and surrounding uh, communities. We sit right across from the French Quarter. What, what separates me from the French Quarter right now is Congo Square and Armstrong Park. So my view of trees and the sky and, and nature and, and people from my alpha all dressed in white would then be obstructed by two parking garages, quite possibly seven, ten-story parking garages, and then a municipal building, a government building, an arm of the law, an arm of the judicial system being placed in the middle of this cultural center. And, and we've done the homework. That's not being done in any other city in America. It's, where City Hall is, is located is strategic. In, in every major city, in every small town in America, it's strategic. But it's often not placed in the middle of a historic black footprint such as Treme. And forgive me, it's on my mind. People were texting me coming up into the show. People are still texting me now. Um, my cousin referenced busy brother. It, it, it's pop-up meetings with this one, with the city council, with this person, with that person, you know, in, in a fight to sort of stop this process. So <clears throat> acknowledging sacred space, some of you saw the video that I showed during the uh, 11 o'clock hour before the program came on about water and its connection to not just survival in various uh, communities of, of Africa, but also to spirit and, and its connection to the spirit realm. So they talked about everything from Olo, uh, from uh, Olokun to Mamiwata uh, to, to a few other uh, paths and traditions, you know, how they handle water in the desert, how they handle water in the areas where they have more than enough water. Uh, it was a very interesting um, and powerful video. But it re-cemented for me the notion that we must create and recreate and recreate again and secure our sacred spaces. Those that already exist, from, from the Gullah Geechee Sea Islands, you know, to, to the Gulf Coast, you know, to Texas homesteads and, and, and the Mississippi Delta, 
We must protect our sacred spaces. We must acquire land and then more land and then some more land again, you know, moving forward as a part of this great acknowledgement of spirit, of this great acknowledgement of Egungun, you know, of Obatala, you know, of, of these practices and these traditions. That they have to be more than just something we put on, that we dress on, you know, that we can show in, you know, in a, in a social media post. We've really got to feed the spirit. And so it's not a far leap for me between feeding the spirit and spiritual manifestation and how spirit and spirit show up. Absolutely God shows up for me. Absolutely the Holy Spirit shows up for me. Absolutely the Load, the Orisha have absolutely showed up for me. The ancestors have shown up for me. And it's only by way of practice, memory and memorizing, journaling and writing down that I've gotten to a place of, of discernment of spirit and being able to judge and determine. Um, sometimes it's as, it's as simple as a look. Sometimes it's, a, it's, it's as simple as a, a, a physical contact when, when we are doing physical contact. Sometimes it's as simple as a vibration or an energy, you know, that passes through us. And, and our willingness to, to ask, even internally, who art thou? Is this God? Is this the ancestors? Who are you? Where, you? where you come from? What's your point? What are you introducing? What are you sharing with me? And then testing that. Uh, there's no more evangelical Christian notion than the idea of testing the spirit, knowing it's the spirit of God or is it of some other sort and then clarifying its, its purpose. I feel like I'm doing a lot of talking today, y'all. Am I? No, you're absolutely fine. You're absolutely fine. Um, oh, no, okay, that question is for Baba Aloye. What question is that? Uh, Anthony asks, are there forms of meditation or transcendence specific to Ifa? You can find that in the Uriki, which are, like, uh, praise poetry. You can find it in meditation. Meditation uh, is just that deeper connection, a quiet connection. Uh, we, we need, I, I'm now leading um, guided meditations, which allow people now to just go deeper within their own conscious and maybe resonate with particular aspects, whether it's Ori, whether it's ancestors, whether it's a specific Orisha, because we're trying to uh, um, deal with a specific area. That if I want to deal with a person that has to go through a lot of healing, I'll deal with Oshun or Oroku. If I deal with even Obatala, if I want to deal with something that deals with tranquility and peace within, I'll deal with Obatala. So, between uh, the Oriki, our own divine prayers, uh, very that, that must be very intentional behind the prayers. Then, as well, you, you add to that, then uh, later on, if we have to go into Ebo or something like that, it's kind of different. But for meditation, uh, uh, definitely you can, you can be meditating through the 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 or 
of the above, it all adds into a deeper relationship. It's all about relationship. You know, let, let me go back just a second on some things that we talked about. For us in the tradition, we make deeper connection through various ritual work and various initiations. In order to align ourselves maybe with Oshun or Okun or Batala or Guru, Shango or Ya, whatever the case might be on any of these Orisha, we go through ritual and initiation for these Orisha. When we do such, there's certain things done in the initiations that allow us a deeper connection with that particular energy, that particular Orisha, that help us to energetically bring more power in that space, in that area, and with that Orisha. So now, once we go through the initiation phase, it's now the development of relationship with that particular Orisha, with that energy, and then with that, that then allows us over time to develop the level of Ashe, to make that energy stronger within us and of giving us the ability to work with that energy in many, many diverse ways. Each energy does not have to be worked with singularly. They can be worked with multiplicity of various Orisha in order to bring a whole to the situation and circumstances that you might be dealing with or the connection that you are trying to manifest in a closer relationship. There is nothing different than that in Christianity because everything in Christianity goes to the development of a deeper relationship with Jesus the Christ. And how do you do that? You do that through your divine work. You do that through your prayers, your meditation, all of the above, just like we do when we're dealing with Orisha. It's done in a different way, but still, the way I view Christianity is an ancestral, ancestral practice. Because every time that you are calling the name of any of these prophets, they are no longer here. But I call when you call upon them, you're calling upon their energy and their consciousness and all of those areas within you or within the the realm of what you're working with in these prayers. And then you're honoring the contributions of these particular prophets. So you're connecting with those prophets in a way that illuminates within you those energies, that energy that allows you to manifest what they manifested back then. And so it's the same as us now doing that with Orisha and developing a closer connection, but with us, it's done to particular rituals and initiations that bring the Ashe, that sit the Ashe of that energy, of that Orisha within us. And can I add to that, cousin? I think once, once I say it, you're gonna you're gonna agree immediately to to where I'm going. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing you didn't mention was rhythm, music, mm-hmm. harmony, 
the bata drum, the dance. Because uh, originally the question I think was about um, transcendental meditative states in Ifa. So if you're chanting Orisha, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I still haven't figured out is it a chant, is it a prayer, is it a mantra, is it a spell, or, or is it all of those things? Yes. When we chant Orisha. And so yes. even if there's no bhakti drums going on behind you, repetition of saying a particular prayer develops a rhythm, especially for mm-hmm. us. Rhythm yes. is natural to us. Even in the memorizing, you know, many of us don't speak Yoruba as a first language. So mm-hmm. we, we're speaking words that we don't fully understand yet, or we're still in the process of learning yet. So often we're learning by sound, by mm-hmm. rhythm. I, I can speak and sing whole Haitian Creole songs, but I can't speak Haitian Creole fluently. But I can sing them and, and, and have the right tonation, the right accent. The, the right rhythms, the, 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 the right beats. And so it does bring us into a trance-like, transcendental-like state when we are chanting a mantra, chanting a prayer, chanting mm-hmm. an oriki, doing certain ritual activities routinely or, or in procession, you know, to one another. And, and as my cousin eloquently um, explained, uh, it, it allows us to mimic or even mirror to some degree the, the abilities of the Orisha and, and those higher powers that vibrate through us, mm-hmm. you know, each and every day. I started out talking about inter and intra-dimensional space. And, and, and I think I stopped at, at the fifth dimension. I'll pick it up again probably in another show. Uh, but how each of those dimensional spaces allow us a different degree of mobility because indeed it is mobility movement that denotes time space where something is at any given moment you know in time space so uh you know muslims have a very ritualized prayer uh practice you know how they get up how they kneel how they prostrate And, and each movement almost like yoga has a great deal of energy and, and, and resonance attached to it, you know, to, to achieve, you know, a certain degree of, of consciousness, a certain uh, ability to communicate and hear from God by whatever name we, we call him in our tradition. But also, Same thing with Buddhists, right? Because Buddhists yeah. do their, uh, their chants. And, and even when uh, yoga practitioners, or not yoga practitioners, but those that do the and all of that, all of those things uh, uh, kind of manifest a particular vibration that allows all of that to raise to a higher, stand, a higher level. Am I, am I correct on that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, those of us who have small children, you know, you see it in your children. Your children mm-hmm. will pick up and learn things with the rhythm, with the beat, with the rhyme to it, you know, quicker than they might memorize the periodic table, you know. Yeah sooner than they might memorize, you know, the, the subject, you know, in, in the textbook. So there is specifically for us, especially for us, there's a connection to rhythm and pace that affects our ability to open up other centers of consciousness, you know, and, and perform feats that might indeed appear like, like magic, but, but very well are just dynamics of nature in science that our ancestors fully 
were aware of that we are just now sort of reconnecting to. Also with that is the dance. The dance facilitates a particular connection, and it can also facilitate a particular healing. So when we're looking at situations and struggles and problems, and, and even our own infirmities in our body, it sometimes, besides the music, the music and the dance, coinciding, working together in the raising of that vibration that raises the vibration within, and that it's just like the thing of smiling. They talk about when you smile or laugh, that it brings forth particular endorphins that allow for even a better and easier healing. So, you know, the dancing along with the, the chanting and the, the, the uh, song, you know, also allow that. I'm sorry, Richard. Don't, don't hurt me. Don't, don't hurt me. <laughs> I'm not even. <laughs> no, I just, I, I saw um, Craig Burns uh, came back with uh, how is the concept of the Ewa understood so a full invocation can be achieved. Um Loa. Let's be clear on something, okay? Um, Before anyone starts invoking anything, you better be sure the person that you are dealing with or the spirit that you are dealing with, the the person that's instructing you, that they are trained and that they have experience in dealing with that spirit. You do not want to start attempting to amateurly invoke anything from someone or something you got from YouTube, from Google, that is not something you want to do. As we have said before, there are rules, there are processes. You have to know how to approach these Orisha and these energies that you are making contact with. That can be a very serious mistake. It is dangerous as Divine has mentioned before, so I want to absolutely warn against that. So before you look to invocation of anything, firstly, it would, in in E5, it would best to be, you need to be initiated. You don't start invoking anything that you're not authorized to directly deal with or be up under someone who is. So that is something you want to be absolutely clear on before you start anything of that nature. I agree. And, And other than your own head, and your ancestors, it's really not safe to try and invoke right. Loa singularly or, or individually. If you're saying Loa or Iwa. Um, you said Iwa, which is character, so right. I was kind I think, of... I think what he's probably trying to ask is the importance of character uh, in the invocation or in the work that's being done with, with the Loisha. The and so, okay, that's it. right. Are we sure? Because sure? I'm I'm reading Loa. Okay. I'm reading Haitian Loa. So, Craig, you might want to clarify that. Because in, okay. in that case, it said I W A. So, I, okay, that that okay. I may have misunderstood. I apologize. Also, if he's talking, if he is talking Ewa, yeah, if he's asking Ewa, then Ewa talks about character. And it talks about the integrity. So what it's talking about is going into these particular areas of prayer, ritual, anything, with clean hands, meaning that you're walking in with uh, a level of purity.
that when you walk in and you're doing your ritual, that your heart, your mind, and your spirit is connecting in the right in the right direction, you know, to move forward with it. And if it's Loa, it's still working with what we deem as Orisha. So to deal with any Orisha with bad Ewa, it then is not it's gonna show up in reading anyway. Because every time that you go through any initiation phase, there's always reading. There's always divination. And the divination will call you out one thousand percent on going in to this initiation when you are not in alignment in the appropriate way. Even when you're doing regular readings, it will call you out. Yeah. No matter what you're going through in your life, when you have reading and you're going to the reading in sincerity, and that reading says you are supposed to accomplish A, B, or C. Now, even if you don't understand how did I get to the stage, I only went for this, Spirit then sees that over this long haul, over this time, that you have to now raise your vibration, you raise your conscious, raise your spirit up to this level, up to this place, because Spirit is saying in your future this is what it sees for you. So Ewa, as my cousin said, is everything, and everything is Ewa. Now, not everybody has an agreement on how maybe you will receive something or how they receive it in relation to you. But there's a time that you have to be very, very obedient, even when nobody else understands your journey or your path. And it can be an extremely lonely, hurtful, and difficult time. But elevation of who you are brings that, and you have to be able to deal with that, because then you can't lead others if you can't manifest and deal with that yourself. So EWOT is all about how you deal with what the creator, what Orisha, what your Ori, what your ancestors are seeing and, and trying to raise you to. I hope that kind of makes a little sense. I, 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 it makes sense to me, and I think, you know, he did clarify he was talking about Haitian Loa, mm-hmm. but I, I think it still applies from, from either perspective. From It still applies. You know, mm-hmm. knowing what you're bringing to the table, being honest about what you're bringing to the table, be clear about the process that you are being introduced to, that you are, are, are initiating, and acknowledging the rules, the protocols, the steps, you know, that, that have been tried many times uh, before you. And that sort of leads into uh, the next question, the difference between trance and, and mountain. Yes, someone can indeed go into a trance, mm-hmm. see vision. Hear, hear things audibly from, from spirit, maybe like uh, uh, the Christmas story, you know, the ability to see Christmas past, Christmas present, Christmas future, mm-hmm. that can happen in a trance-like state. Mounting is a, is a science, is an art form by which you allow possession, might be a better word than even mounting, of a low of an Orisha, and, and so there's an agreement 
that you get out of the way, you, you move to another part of your consciousness and sort of become an observer to some degree. Some people observe, some people sort of go to sleep and, and then regain consciousness later on and don't quite remember anything that happened uh, during the course of a mounting. But mounting says that you sort of get out of the way and then you allow spirit to come forward and operate, heal, speak, share through you. Uh, and when we think about the church experience, you know, we see people coming to the level of trance, perhaps, um, ecstatic shout, perhaps, but we really don't see mounting. That, 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 again, that's when they, the, the nuns and the ushers come out and put a circle around you and, and fan you down. They don't allow mounting. Um, and, again, I think there's a protective layer to that because in that environment, any kind of spirit really can come through. If, if there aren't protocols put in, into place to prevent that. Uh, it could be a distraction, you know, a, a, a wayward spirit can come through and just wants to be heard, just wants to chatter and, and interrupt the flow, you know, of the service for the full body, you know, of the congregation. So we often mm-hmm. don't see mounting. We might see trance. I've seen ministers and preachers go into full trance while still speaking, and, and you see their eyes kind of glaze over and they lose connection to themselves, and then they start speaking off script. That has happened to me a time or two doing this podcast, <laughs> where I've got documents that I've typed up, written, got together. This is what I'm going to do. Me and Bishop Cheeks talked about this yesterday. This is what I'm going to say. And then Spirit says, oh, no, I, I got you. I need you to say something completely different. Yeah. You know, so... Sometimes that can come through in a trance. Sometimes it doesn't take you going completely under and, and allowing them to inhabit your body to sort of get a message out. But we see more mounting in voodoo. It's a part of that branch of practice, if you will. Um, mounting became more prevalent in Haiti than divination to some degree. And, and I'm still trying to piece those parts together, cousin you know, about how divination, shell, palmas made their way to Cuba and Puerto Rico, and, but why it was so different in Haiti. Um, we do see people laying out cards, you know, regular decks of cards, you know, and, and reading a whole deck, much akin to tarot, uh, but you don't see a lot of shell, a lot of bone throwing in, in Haitian voodoo. Uh, they're so sourced often for divination either comes through the mouth of an elder or someone mm-hmm. under possession. Part of it could have been uh, part of it could have been natural resources, but the other part could have been that the way that it was received was through more of an ancestral practice. So the way that now it's it's uh, transmitted from one generation to the other generation is the the kind of like through that DNA where they have more of the ancestral connection in that realm of, because you know there's some forms of voodoo that are more ancestral, even when you're throwing the, the, the bones, or even if you're doing ophelic, it's still the message. You might not be a big uh, verse memorization person, but your ashe, is not coming through memorizing verses all the time. 
Your Hashem is coming to the ancestors who are guiding you through. So you have to then, when you move out the way, it is ancestors that are bringing all of these messages. Mm-hmm. So there's certain, you know, I, I find that that could be a possibility of their change or of their 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 methodology in the way that they do it. Do you yourself, you know, do you yourself often, or have you experienced trance in the middle of a consultation while you were trying to read? Yes, because once you move out the way, yeah. it's spirit that guides and takes over. Yeah. And those who have had uh, some meetings with me will, will say, they'll, they'll, they'll tell you, I do my very best to move myself out the way. And before I, even I go into it, yeah. I, I say something similar to what Christians say, more of you and less of me. So that it's more of the spirit, it's more of Illuminati, it's more of Ifa speaking through me that which he wants or they desire for the the person receiving the divination to, to receive in an appropriate way and give them all that they desire and more. And I'm 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 blessed that my my Lul, you know, uh Obasik Bembe, the Shaykh from Sola, that he guided me in that path, in that direction, you know, and I hope to continue in that even deeper so that those who come to do the work will understand from even a deeper, deeper component because the, because the five speaking through me, because the, the Orisha are speaking through me, because the ancestors are speaking through me. So, you know, I see this question from this young lady um, asking for help. Um, she had a dream <clears throat> that Obatala came to her in this dream and took her to a village to purchase white linen. I would suggest to her, one, the very first thing I always suggest is to have readings. Two, it could possibly be that she has a divine relationship with Obatala, but that can only be confirmed through reading. I never sit there and try to confirm that this is that. And the other part to it is, you know, when you're speaking of, of that dream and going and Obatala specifically taking you, White Cloth, he is the owner of White Cloth, right? So he, then he is telling you he wants to come deeper within your purity, your, your, your peace, your tranquility, your wisdom. Your, maybe you have a business and you're trying to, to develop something. So in your creativity, all of that components of Obatala, you have to look at when you're saying that Obatala, so Obatala may be trying to take you steps forward for you to be able to accomplish and achieve what you know what you desire in your life but really you you should only be it, it can only be saying that for certain by going through um by going through through divination yeah involved yeah. conversation and said yes you receive divination for clarity that can mean so many things on endless levels basically oh okay yes Yes. Yes. 
I, you know, one of the things that's very important is like a lot of people have feelings that this Orisha is working with them or they have this affinity with this Orisha with that. No problem with that. If you desire to do a table, have, a, have it made beautifully for Oshun, or maybe this particular thing you got all white and you want to do something for Bacala, you want to do something for Shangul, for uh, Oyun, no problem with that. But just understand that there is a process to a connection on different levels. One connection might be receiving an Orisha. And then the next level will be actually initiating into the Orisha. And then in that, there might be other levels that you go higher to receive chieftaincies in your village. So according to where you are on the thing, you might want to at least have reading and let Ifa speak the message that Ifa has for you. And Obatala, if it's meant to be, will come through that message because it will come through that particular and then you'll have a better understanding without a gray area of what is being shared with you. And again, okay. always keep a journal, you know, of what you're dreaming before and after that, what spiritual experiences, you know, you may be experiencing, you know, right before that and after that. Uh, that can also be useful in clarifying the message, the meaning. You know, when, when these things take place um, in a dream, you know, it could be anything from protection, you know, to healing, you know, to self-work, you know, to uh, higher vibratory, you know, rates of information that you might now be stepping into. But by all means, um, seek an elder practitioner, you know, who can throw Odu and give you a clearer you know, understanding of, of what's being said, um, what's being spoken. Um, I appreciate all of you, and, and I just want to clarify, I just feel like I should. Um, Anthony X, on the last show, I, I did say that in reverse. I did speak Marasa when we were talking about Simbi, and then I spoke Simbi when we were talking about Marasa. Um, so I want to apologize for that. I was distracted. Um, I, I'm just human. And it's a lot going on back here, you know, when the show is going on. And particularly when a question is asked um, that might not necessarily be the topic that we're discussing, um, just, just allow me to be human. I, I do make a mistake, you know, every now and again, you know. And, and, yeah, after I went back and viewed it, I did speak Simbi when I should have been talking about Marasa. And then I talked about Marasa when I should have been talking about uh, Simbi. So I wanted to recognize that um, live on camera, you know, because it's in the archive now, and people are going to see it, and they're going to hear it, and somebody's going to say, oh, he said that all wrong. Yeah, I said that all wrong. I, I just, dyslexia, I just reversed the two. Um, but, but the answers were correct. I just gave them in reverse of, of how you asked me uh, the question um, initially. And yes, your Adams is correct. Um, you know, any type of mounting, any type of possession, one, was never done in, in isolation, was never done by some isolated practitioner, was always done in, in the confines of a group. And, and not just, you know, having bodies present, 
but people of varying degrees of study and wisdom and experience within the traditions, again, from your young to your elders. So everybody becomes a part of that moment. Everybody becomes a part of that experience. Um, and so, yeah, there, there's a protective ritual process that's done, you know, from lineage to lineage, from house to house, to ensure that negative things aren't getting through, problematic things, you know, aren't getting through, trouble, some things aren't coming through, you know, in, in many of these ceremonies. And, you know, even if you're watching them, you know, on YouTube, whether it's in West Africa, here, Haiti, you know, the participants are very aware and they're often watching and they're looking and they're judging, you know, and they have an understanding of how certain spirits come through, what their signs are, what their language is, what their food, you know, tastes are, what their behavioral tastes are. And so they're matching up the behavior of the person being mounted to their wisdom about a particular power or spirit. And if it's unrecognizable, you know, then they seek to shut that down. Or if it was uninvited, they seek to shut them down. Uh, in the case of Gede in, in Haitian voodoo, uh, they placate them and, and then send them, you know, on their way. Gede can be seen as troublesome, you know, that which exists within the dynamics of your, your family bloodline and lineage that goes unspoken, that goes unaddressed. And they will often come through Gede. And Gede can act like children, could act like babies, you know, eat up all the sweets, eat up all the, the cake and the candy, uh, but they can also come through as, as mature adults, you know, with the limbs missing out of their they eyeglasses, their eyeglasses upside down, suggesting their ability to see in between the world, to see in between the layers of our dimensional reality. So trance, you know, is, is a higher octave of meditation. Uh, any of us can acquire trance ability from scratch if you if you feel you have none at all now. But but I suggest the natural way of addressing that is to first meditation, learning various degrees of meditation, various degrees of breathing. Um, as both of my cousins suggested, um, when you start talking about deities that are a part of organized systems, go to the system. Go to the leaders, the practitioners of the system. Um, make a relationship. You know, it's like coming from one village to another and you want to have access to the, to the young women or, or the young men, and we don't know you. you. You ain't been properly introduced. You know, you ain't met my mom in now. You know, um, so there's a process of, of introduction and meeting. And, and in voodoo, even marrying, you know, loa by way of a, a ritualized ceremony. Uh, and I can't remember who asked the question, but there is a degree of contractual um, nuances to that. There's a contract that if certain needs are met, you know, that the spirits will then give us what we need and, and, and of course, not present themselves in, in aggressive, you know, or, or fiery ways. Uh, there is the idea of asking for something and, and then not fulfilling your, your part of the bargain. And then that coming back to be problematic, you know, along your journey. It's really embedded in the Odu. Um, I'm sure my cousin Oluye, you know, would probably con con concur with that. You know, these Odu speak about having 
you know, a broken relationship with a particular Orisha, a particular power. Uh, they can reveal, you know, where you begged and plead and asked for, you know, previously and then didn't change your behavior, you know, and now you're back at the new, you know, reader a- asking for help. These old dudes have a way of revealing that level of specific information. So yes, if I would say something like, you know, and this is going to paraphrase the old dude, but there's a dude that talk about why do you come for consultation and then refuse to do that which the consultation reveals for you. That's paraphrasing, but it's, it will speak to that in a few different verses that will put you on the spot. Like, why are you here asking me this again when I have previously talked about this? And then there's times that uh, uh, Baba Lau will see something like that come up. They won't even talk to you about it because it's been talked to you about before. And there's times that they will just shut you out for a period of time because until it comes back up in reading that they do for you, then they say that you're not doing any of the work that has been given to you to do previously, so why am I giving you more and more more to do? Right? I think also to go back for a second, we have to there's two of the negative energies that we have to look out for. One is LA Muni. Uh, is self, it's a self-generated demon, meaning it is a projection of consciousness which is generated by resistance to spiritual growth. That, in essence, is what I'm saying sometimes when the, when the, uh, by the mouth, we look, and especially if that verse comes up, why are you coming to me again when I've given you this message before, time and time again? but you refuse to acknowledge or follow what is being told to you. So in essence, you begin to put negative, this negative connotation and energy upon yourself because you're not doing the work that Ifa has prescribed for you to do in order for you to be moving forward. And so Elanumi is a very difficult energy sometimes for you. It might take a period of time and significant work to be done. And, and the other thing is Ajibun. When we have Ajibun in our house or in our life or in our, in our areas, it's that negative energy that we have to do. It can bring forth a lot of conflict. It can bring forth, like, when you have dust around, like you haven't dusted, or, or you know, you start seeing all of this negativity happening in your house and in your family, and in relationships. And if I will tell you in verses, you, you need to clean, deep clean, because there's Ajibun that are in your house that are causing you conflict. So then you go back and you begin to deep clean, and you start seeing these changes and lighter energy come. I don't know whoever feels lighter energy after they do a very good deep cleanse in their house. And the whole energy around the house changes. And then the whole energy around the people in the house changes. 
So we have to look at it, and we got to look at it. One can cause change in all other areas of our being. That physical, that physical thing of cleaning can make change in our physical life, also in our mental, in our emotional, and then also in our spiritual. So we have to look at all of these also go in alignment with what we're talking about with spirit. Because the spirit that attaches themselves to negativity and attaches themselves to the, the dust, the dirt, the clutter. And we have to do everything we can to make sure that that negativity, the negative energy from that also is being removed. We're making a sacrifice to clean. We're cleaning and clearing. That's something that Amorokini had talked about when she was on the show. Uh, cleansing and clearing. Cleansing, clearing your atmosphere, cleansing, clear your your aura, your mind, cleansing, clear even your diet, cleansing, clear uh, the people that are around you. Cleanse and clear your thinking. Cleanse and clear all areas of your life. And that you'll start seeing a deeper connection with your spirit on a better level as well, on a clearer, more clarity, more clearer level. You talk about Obatala, you never want to get dirt on Obatala. So what is it telling you? It's telling you to have cleanliness in all areas of your life as best you can. And always be working to make yourself, your area, your life even more clean. That, that was a great way to end the show. That was a great way to end the show, uh, beloved. I certainly appreciate you um, for all your commentary and your wisdom uh, and your experience and what you bring to this sacred space. Uh, I appreciate my cousin Otun, Ifa Tomiwa, and her love and Iami power and, and showing up and being a part of this broadcast. Um, I got to keep it real short. I've got house guests on their way. Um, so I invite you all to join us again on Wednesday at high noon, U.S. Central Standard Time. Meet us here. Be here. Beat us here. Greet us here. Um, and remember that all is truly and indeed a blessing if you can just see beyond the veil. Until next time. Ashe, and Odabo. Thank you all. I appreciate it. I got to go. Okay. All right. Have a business. All of the mm-hmm. blessings. All right. We'll talk to you. What? Thank you, Blog Talk Radio. Peace and love, joy and prosperity to you and yours. And remember to fight for, protect for the legacy, the honor, the space that is historic Treme and Congo Square. Congo Square, Congo Square, Congo, Congo Square. The Omus Indians, the Omus Indians prepared this place for us centuries before our arrival. A sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. The Omus Indians prepared this place for us centuries before our arrival. 
Congo Square, a sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. And as the colonizers came, our host, the almost Indians, they pushed aside our host. The colonizers came and pushed aside our host and introduced us in chains. And by the late 1700s, we somehow, recognizing the sacredness of Le Place de Congo, we somehow, and the how of our somehow persuasive methodologies is not clear at this moment. The how is not clear. How our persuasive methodologies worked is not clear at this moment. But nevertheless, even as slaves, we crafted and created a space where we could be free to be we. And thusly, thusly we countered the sacrilegiousness of the French, giving great homage to our ancestors as well as giving praise and thanks to our red-blooded brothers and sisters. This is an oral libation toast to Congo Square, to Native Americans, to our ancestors who made a circle out of a square and gave us a way to stay ourselves, save ourselves from the transformatory ugliness of America, which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life and celebrates death with crosses and crosses, double and triple crosses, the middle passage, the first cross, Christianity, the double cross, and capitalism, the ultimate triple coup de grace cross of our captivity. But the terror of crosses notwithstanding, we sang, we beat, we be, we was and is. Hail Congo Square. Congo, Congo Square. Our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated inside the beat of us. Inside the beat of us. Our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated, retreated inside the beat of us until we are ready to release them into a world that we recreate, a world harrowed by the beat, be, beat, being, beating, being of black heart drum, heart beat, heart beat. Heart be at this place, at this place be heart be be we beating place in new world space, beating being in place in new world, preserving our ancient pace. Our dance is the God walk, our music the God talk. First thing we do. Let's get together, circle ourselves into community. No beginning, no end, connected together and singing 
bringing, singing in a ring. Second, let's be original, aboriginal. Be what we were before we became what we are. Be bambula dance. Be banza music and sing song words which have no English translation. Third, let us remember. Let us remember never to forget. Even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. Let us remember never to forget. Even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials, the bounce, the blood, flow, the feel, the spirit, grow, energy, must retain and pass on the essential us-ness that others want to dissipate, whip out of us. But no matter... No matter how much of us they prohibit, no matter how much of us they prohibit, deep inside us is us. Deep inside us is us. Remains us inside and needs only the beat to set us free. The beat to free us. It is morning. A sun day, a feel, a feel without shade, but dark, dark with the people black of us in various, various, various shades, eclipsing the sun with our elegance. We are centuries later now, and still this sacred ground calls us to remember, to beat, to be. We are centuries later now, and still this sacred ground calls us to remember. To beat, to be, beat Congo Square, be Congo Square, beat, be, beat, be. Remember. Remember.